Welcome to PMO. I'm Mitch Kowalski. And I'm Nathan Hippel. Oz is moving out of the quarantine, far ahead of the rest of the world. So, how's freedom? Are you are you well, running out <laughs> to buying? You're running right out to buy those concert tickets, or what? What the heck's going on? What was your first thing you did? I'd love to say that I that I have an interesting life, Mitch, but I think what. One of the first things I noticed was that restaurants are starting to open up and people are sitting in restaurants. I tell you one thing I did do uh, yesterday. I was in the city in Sydney and uh, and I sat down and I had uh, I had breakfast at a cafe and someone came and served me and it was a, a strange feeling uh, <laughs> to be able to sit at a cafe table and have the, the plate put in front of me. It's only been eight weeks, but it's funny the things that we miss and it's nice to have those those things back. Were, were people masked up? Did you mask up or as, as no. we say now? Come on, mate. Mask up. No, we're not masking up here in Australia to any great degree. I think obviously personal choice, people feel comfortable or not, but we are frankly not in a position where that is the norm. Mm. Well, over here, the carnage continues, at least on the impact of business here. We've had a number of bankruptcy filings for large retailers in particular, right? J. Crew and Neiman Marcus and JCPenney. And then, as you know, I'm a big Nando's fan. Nando's is closing all its operations in Canada, all of them, <sighs> mate, they're out. It's all over. So uh, closing yeah. forever, closing forever. And our lockdowns are only starting to be lifted in small sequences. And so we still got a ways to go here. Wow. That's remarkable. I mean, on the legal front, we haven't yet seen that kind of destruction. Not yet. Uh, not yet. But it's also not to see that this year is going to be a real turning point in a shakeout, a real shakeout in the industry. So we'll, we'll have to see what those happen. When we come to the final five, I'm going to talk through some things that are scratching my head about, in fact, in, up your way, Mitch, in, uh, in the US, who seem to me to have their head in the sand around the impact of the structural changes that we're going to be experiencing. But that's for later on in the podcast. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about resilience. I, you know, I'm a big fan of your firm, and you know, this podcast is not about self promotion. But I have to ask you: you guys have done something at HBA Legal that has really garnered not only some press but a lot of admiration from a bunch of people with respect to your work from home policy. So, can you just share your thoughts on why you did it and how you're doing it? And I mean, you're a national firm, so this is big news. I should say at the outset that uh, there are a few firms in Australia that are that are with us and taking the lead on these things. A couple of weeks ago now, we announced that we would continue a work from home policy beyond uh, COVID-19. It will become a permanent fixture of working at HBA. And it really is bringing in the human element of knowing that we trust our people, that we have seen through the necessity of having people work from home during this crisis that we have been able to deliver legal services to clients in just the same way as we would if we were at the office. And no, this isn't a sales pitch for HBA Legal. It's just not because Mitchell Ellison have come out this week in Australia and Gilbert and Tobin have come out to endorse this position for their own firms and offer similar work from home flexibility. There's always going to be some tension when it comes to either working from home or working in the office for good reasons and for bad reasons. And I see in an article in Lawyers Weekly that 
one of the partners at Colin Biggers and Paisley, another large law firm in Sydney, have raised the point that more junior staff do need to have exposure in real time, in a physical sense in the office, to decision-making that more senior lawyers might make. And I agree with that. And I think that there is definitely some place for it. And that is one aspect that needs to be overcome when we arrive at the right landing zone. I don't think everyone's there yet, but I know this. The fact that large law firms, large national law firms and employers are talking about these things openly is a wonderful sign. And I feel we've reached that tipping point where we can now move forward in an environment safely for people that they can ask for this kind of arrangement to be in place and not have it seen as some kind of exemption or a position that's only available for people who can prove some kind of need for them to be at home, whether it be because they've got young kids at home or they've got a a relative that needs uh, looking after. That's always been my issue with it, Mitch, is that it really should be the rule rather than the exception. And the nice thing to see, I think, through this is that it's becoming the rule rather than the exception for people to have flexibility. I don't think working full-time from home It should be the rule. Um, I think there needs to be a mix in relation to being face-to-face in the office for core days and being from home. That's my view, Uh, but different folks are going to have different approaches, and uh, I think we're moving in the right direction when it comes to it being offered. You know, a growing number of firms are putting this in place. I'm wondering whether that's enough to tip the scales and you see uh, this become the norm across Australia. Certainly, it has not hit in North America or even the UK yet where firms are announcing this to be a permanent thing. Time is going to be important and the proof is going to be in the eating because I would say this, it is easy for large organisations to issue press releases to say we're getting on board with this and I'm not pointing any fingers in any direction, I'm not. I'm just saying through bitter experience with things like legal tech that people can buy one license to a new program, come out and say, hey, we bought the latest shiny toy, aren't we great? And no one ever hears about about it again. I really hope that this is not that situation. I really do. We're playing with people's lives here and their expectations. And I think there is a genuine hope that this is something that we can uh, integrate into our normal working lives uh, and improve outcomes for clients and improve mentoring and capabilities for, for, for younger people who are coming into the legal industry because good mental health is a very important component to running a successful uh, legal career and a legal practice. But I do think that having some flexibility in terms of the number of days a week you're heading into the city, wherever it might be, is good for people's balance in life. I can't disagree with that. But going back to your point about, you know, it's easy to send out the press releases. There is some discussions in the UK right now about the fact that a number of firms that were so quick to say, oh, yeah, we turned on a dime is no problem. Business as usual. Everybody's working from home. But when you dug under the surface, it turns out that they couldn't send out their bills without sending their teams to the office because all their billing apparatus and the way they did billing was actually captured within the office. So um, as you say, very easy to send out a press release. And as long as no one asks them too many questions, everything looks really, really great. Okay, this has all been a really great segue into our guest today, Catherine Thomas of Free Range Lawyers in my wannabe hometown of Perth. Welcome, Catherine. Thanks, Mitch. Really good to be here. And as our listeners can tell... 
you probably didn't grow up or were born in Perth, yeah. as, and, yeah. and, <laughs> and I understand Perth. What, what do we call people from Perth, <laughs> other than just people from Perth? People from Perth, but I've discovered recently they're, they're Perthlings, I think. Perthlings is certainly what the ABC have started calling us. Well, that's very kind of them, because I, I refer to the term of sand gropers. But uh, I lived in Perth for eight years, and my wife's from Perth, uh, and I love, I love Perth. Um, I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you for that comment. Later. <laughs> <laughs> but I, could, I could never claim to be from Perth or a or a Perth person because I wasn't born there. So it is a it is an absolutely wonderful place, and uh, it's one of the, the the Earth's great treasures. It is. It is. It's beautiful, and we and we chose to come here, and I'm so glad that we did. Absolutely, but well, and particularly during coronavirus as well, because it's uh, a very safe place to be. It sure is. Yeah. Well, not much free ranging then going on in in WA these days, or is there? What's what's with the name? Free range lawyers. I, I had this idea of remote working contract lawyers for quite some time, and I was at a conference, and and someone there was speaking about free range humans, and I was sitting in the audience, and my brain was ticking over, and I thought, I kind of thought, well, forget about the humans. <laughs> what about the lawyers? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and so the name was born. And look, I just. You know, I wanted something that was memorable, um, and I didn't. And something that's a bit marmite, if that sentence makes, if that makes sense to an Aussie and a Canadian. I, I didn't really mind that people stop to stop and think and go, oh, you know. And it's and it's a little bit amusing as well, isn't it? And you know, we all we all need some of that in our lives. Well, I think one of the nice things about it, Catherine, if I can say, is that it it does it does speak to a certain intention in your business, yes. which is to make sure that the people that do work with you and the clients that work with you are going to be experiencing people who think a bit differently and who are yes. more free range rather than, you know, turning up to the office five days a week, sitting in, a, yes. in an office or a, or a sky prison, as I'm fond of saying at times, but uh, and, and ticking over their timesheet every day. I, I mean, is that why you did this? Yeah, absolutely. I, look, I I was lucky enough to be very involved in the early days of contract lawyering and, and new law back in in the UK, back in sort of 2012, 2013. And it just, it was such a fantastic experience because it opened my eyes up to all these different ways that we could practice law. And, and then I moved to Australia at the end of 2015 and started working myself remotely for businesses because Perth is the remote, as you, you know, the remotest city in the world, right? So, you know, if you're going to want to get good quality clients, you can get them in Perth, but you also, you know, need to look for them somewhere else as well. So, you know, I was doing work remotely myself and it was just fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And I, you know, I'm a sociable person and I like to get out there. You know, I'm not somebody that just wants to hide in my office, but yet remote working, you know, it spoke to me. And so I just started, you know, wondering what, why don't we do that more in the law? You know, we're the most classic knowledge business you can get you know, albeit query, you know, whether whether knowledge is the commodity and, you know, we're selling other things now. But you get my point. You know, we you know we're not we don't have to we're not we're not working in a cafe, we're not working in a hospital. We don't have to be physically present to deliver most of our services. So why on earth are we making, you know, these tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people 
get on trains every morning to commute to an office where typically they sit and email people at another branch office on the other side of the country to then go out in their lunch hour and buy a really expensive sandwich to come back and sit in their hutch again for for another five six seven hours to go home exhausted if they're lucky with a bit of daylight on you know um on their commute home to sit you know to sit down for two hours and then wake up and do the whole thing again i'm with you entirely on that and I know Mitch is going to talk to you about this in a moment. I think that from the point of view of the structure of, of the legal business, it, we are changing that rapidly and coronavirus has hastened that change. Yeah. What do you say to people, say partners of law firms who are more senior, who treat you as a bit of a cottage industry or who, who, or who say, well, that, that can work for smaller pieces of work that are individualized and bespoke, you know, how do you overcome that challenge? Well, there's a few answers to that. I guess the first is I don't I don't need to work. I, I, I'm not intending to try and change the mindset of the 10 or 20% of laggards, you know, because there are enough people who are interested in this and believe in it to work with to start with. So I'm not really spending my time on that. You know, even even before coronavirus, there was a whole load of evidence and experience that, you know, that suggested that working remotely was just as productive in most cases more so and actually encourage you know really positive working behaviors so if you're not if you don't have all of those nonverbal signals and the ability to just chuck work to the person who's sitting next to you you have to be more intentional you have to be more planful you have to actually have a process you know you actually have to project manage your work and all of this is stuff that we know that we need to be doing anyway so so yeah if i if i were to spend time answering those that question and and bringing bringing round um the laggards there, there's a whole there's a whole ton of evidence and experience that suggests that remote working you know it's not just as good as it's different but it actually helps us create positive habits that improve um, working processes overall. And so you would say the science is in and yeah, it's unanimous that this is this is only going to result in better outcomes for people and clients and that anyone who is a skeptic is not listening to the science. So it's not for everybody and there you know there are always exceptions to things right and and we are not right from the start I've said I am not we're not dogmatic about this. You know, offices have a place and a role and people are different and people want choice. So the last thing that I want to see is the kind of situation we're in at the moment where everybody is mandated to work work remotely because, you know, I'm a big fan of it. And believe you me, I've I found this just as hard as everybody else has. Right. So so this isn't a, this isn't about we're not jingoistic about it. Like you know, everybody's going to be working from their home office. Um, you know, in the next five years. No, they're not. But surely a larger proportion of our work can be done remotely in just a more humane way. And and that's that's what we're talking about. Nathan and I were talking the other day about how difficult it is to run a group of lawyers. Firms are yeah, hard yeah. places to run because a lot of lawyers are naturally very independent. They want to do things their own way. They want to, you know, want to be left around. Don't tell me how to practice law. And I would have thought that that mentality would drive more and more people into doing exactly what you're saying is where you have the freedom to do work on your own terms, on your own way. And so yeah. are you experienced, like, are you seeing that? Do you, is, is COVID driving more people towards you? Is it too early? Like, where, how do you see this playing out? I think you're actually, you're absolutely right. You know, a lot of the work on the personality of, of, of the lawyer, which is always, you know, the average and doesn't, um, you know, celebrate the unique 
uniqueness of the whole spectrum but you know talks about people who are are really autonomous and also who are reflectors in terms of the way that they that they um, absorb information and so remote working really suits in that regard it's it's interesting actually because i've seen I've, i've really been able to use a lot of the psychometric assessment work that I've done throughout my time in contract lawyering to to apply it to this. So one of the the interesting things I've learned from using psychometrics in my business ever since 2013 is that for the majority of lawyers, and there are always exceptions, most people have quite low levels of conceptual thinking. And conceptual thinking is how could things be? How could things be differently, right? And uh, so much so that actually when I was in the UK, the organisational psychologist that I work with, you know, came to us and said, this is a really pronounced trend versus the average of the population. And, you know, well, let's talk about this. This is really interesting. So what we've got is a, is a group of people who um, are brilliant at looking at what is in front of them, but aren't necessarily either through dint of sort of natural behaviours or training, aren't necessarily suited to looking at the horizon and saying, well, this, this could be different. These things could be different. And so before COVID, you know, I came up against that, which was talking to lawyers who were interested and full of good intentions, but because they hadn't had the experience of remote working, they couldn't see how it might operate. And what we've had in COVID in regretful circumstances, we've taken that need for conceptual thinking completely out of the equation and we're just experiencing it. And then all of a sudden, you know, the scales are coming away from the eyes and we're all going, this can work. And Catherine, you would say to people who revert to type after this, yep. that that's to be expected. Yeah. That, that is, that, that, that that's okay. We're not trying to convince everybody of yep. this. Yep. Right. She doesn't want them anyways. Indeed. Uh, and those people can go on doing it the way they, they want to do it. And if, and, and if, if clients or people respond to them and want to be part of that culture, then so be it. But the evidence is in which shows that that is not going to be a sustainable culture that's going to build a successful business into the future. Mitch and I talked on one of our podcasts about the fact that Skype was invented in, uh, what did you say, Mitch? 2003, (laughs) which is bizarre. Since 2003, we've had the technology to do what we're doing today, and it's taken 17, 16 years for us to get to a point where we're using exactly the same technology as we were as, as was invented in 2003. And I think this feeds into that narrative. And I like what you say, Catherine, which is, I'm not here to convince everybody of this. No, absolutely not. In terms of where we're going, because I think there's a lot of synergy between what you're doing and working with firms to say, yes. say to a firm, look, gosh, I can really help you guys out with your manpower. And I can deal with peak periods. I can be your just-in-time supplier and really work in conjunction with law firms. For me, my focus is very much on um, large nationals, medium-sized firms and, and SMEs. You know, the large, the international firms are well served by their own captive contract lawyer services or partnerships with other organisations. I'm really interested in how free-range lawyering, lawyering can help those smaller law firms, the law firms that don't have an international footprint to operate in a a more agile way. In Australia in particular, because we've got a really thriving, and I hate the phrase, but it it does mean something, mid-tier. You know, um, we really have such 
fantastic quality firms, you know, that don't have hundreds of partners. Who cares how many partners we've got? But just don't don't sit in that big law international space, but are doing incredible work. And so, yeah, for me, absolutely, I see it as being a clear option for Australian law firms. And so... The number of mid-tier and that size, there's loads of them yeah. and probably far more in terms of the numbers than in the big firm. And, it, and it's a very interesting market to be playing with. So often we get hung up on the big five or six firms in a country and where they're going. And that means the whole market's going that way or not. And so, I mean, it's it's an excellent point that you raise. But I think it allows for a business opportunity because so often law firms are thinking about their own area of expertise and their yes. very specific area of expertise, which is a good thing. And we yeah. and that must be encouraged and continued. But to hook up a service like yours, Catherine, with an already very successful law firm who might do uh, work in an area of, say, real property or yep. front-end contracts, yep. the client is often saying to them, we want you to do more. How can we do yeah. more? And they don't want to expand, for example, into litigation because it's not part of their model. Yep. But I but I do see a place and I, and I think it's very positive to be talking about it in the context of those lawyers trusting you and your people yep. to offer that service under their umbrella. You know, this notion of scale is changing and and, and mm. it, scale doesn't just mean people. You know, it just doesn't it doesn't just mean numbers of people available to a law firm. And I, I you know I firmly believe that actually I've called it this notion of smart scaling. But you know, over the next decade, I think, you know, this notion of having a core of probably employed people who are the trusted kind of centerpiece of your business. And then and then an outer group of really trusted contractors who work for you as as and when there is a need. That is you know, that simply has to grow because the market economics are asking for it. And I think the interesting thing will be in clients and the way that they're driving this through yeah. their tenders and their contracts yep. because whilst we can recognise this is a good idea and it might work for some smaller organisations, in many respects, clients traditionally have still required bricks and mortar. They've still required confirmation that this person is employed by your firm. And there are very good reasons around that. As we start to see those barriers breaking off the sides, it's going to be, very, it's going to be a very interesting time yeah. in relation to this model. Clients is a really good point. I think clients are missing in the general narrative at the moment around how things are going to change, particularly as a result of COVID. Um, and not perhaps that's understandable, just the natural human reaction to a crisis is what does this mean for me? But we're all talking about how our, our behaviours are changing. And if we're changing, then you can bet our clients are changing, right? And their expectations are changing. And I think there was a really interesting survey come out of the States from Clio that surveyed their law firms and their clients and the, you know the statistics are, are, are really useful you know so many more clients feel comfortable with using a wider range of you know technology so many more clients would choose a law firm because of their ability to operate remotely and so on and so forth so client needs are going to change because of of what we're seeing now but also their buying behavior is going to change and and, and you know i think firms that don't get with that program you know look i i have never even before covid it, in all my years, 20 plus working in the law, I never saw a client 
that said, we want to choose a law firm that has a reception area that's double the size of my house. Like that, that's, that's an essential. It's not a nice to have, it's an absolute essential. Like wh- when did we ever see that, right? So this, this far more kind of agile and scalable model has got, has got to happen. And also we forget that for the majority of our clients, they are operating in that way already. You know, for them, that is second nature. There's nothing stopping uh, a service, a legal service provider going to a client with, for example, two options. Yep. Option one is, here's the response to the tender that you set out in the way that you wanted it, in the way that you required it. We've been a bit brave, guys, and we've given you option B. Now, option B is our dream, and it actually saves you money and gives you better service. Your call, you can put that in the bin, or you can talk to us about it. Now, there's been some interesting studies shown and some great examples shown where firms who take that approach are often then able to knock their competitors out completely, like a, like ten like pins in a bowling alley, because the client will say, do you know what? Those people care about our business. They've actually thought about us and they've given us what we need. The rest of them just turned up and gave us what 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 they thought we wanted to hear. Yep. The more we can talk about uh, alternative models and make them mainstream yep. and not just be painted as some kind of cottage industry like fixed fees, like monthly retainers uh, are painted as some kind of scourge. Fringe. They are they are yeah, fringe. These are not fringe items. Work from home is no longer a fringe item. It's the norm, and that's what we're here to do. And Clearly you are too, and it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Nathan, likewise. And now it's time for the final five, Mitch. Five minutes of things that are making us scratch our heads this week. There's no uh, shortage of things that make us scratch our heads. I I think the one thing that really jumped out at me is there's an article by Harvard Business Review. This is Harvard Business School, the, the famous Harvard we all know and we may or may not love. But the title of the article and the gist of the article is We Work Harder when we know someone is watching and sure i kind of get that you know you know you want to impress people so you you may work a bit harder certainly sports teams on the field like to have an audience that gets them more pumped and everything but in day-to-day office not so sure especially when one of their recommendations was you should leave your video meetings on all day so people can see you working and it'd be like wow and 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 get this it gets even better Nathan. the insanity of this is clearly done by people who have Never worked in an office, but if you do that, then it feels like you're actually in the office and you can see all the others around you, and it you know it creates that that magical buzz. So that kind of struck me as beyond stupid, but also <laughs> a, a clearly a lack of trust for the organization that implements that. Uh, well, and, who's and, watching? That's and, what and I want who, to know. Who, who's, who's, who's out there watching all these people? Yeah, exactly. Who's who's spending their time watching it? Is that a good use of time? And like I said, it, it comes down to trust. If you don't trust your employees are doing work, then why the heck do you have them employed by you in the first place? Do you know what would be really, it'd be really interesting to sort of dive a bit deeper into the into the thinking behind that or the firms who respond well to that because I'll bet they're the kind of firms that are laying people off. I'll bet they're the kind of firms that don't have a strong culture in their business and because it, it reeks of an untrusting relationship and a dysfunctional relationship, frankly. If you can't trust your people, don't hire them. 
If you can't trust your people, don't have them there. It's as simple as that. This stuff isn't hard, but I guess uh, HBR was looking for some material. Go ahead. What do you got? Look, I had something from your from your brothers and sisters south of the border in the U.S. <laughs> There's been a, a, a survey conducted by a U.S. legal marketing company, Martindale Avo, where. 27% of law firms reported an earnings drop by more than half. And this is despite the fact that 95% of them continued to accept new clients. Now, that says to me that there's a fundamental problem with the way that they are billing or valuing their services. There's clearly not a lot of fixed fee going on in there. It seems to me that there's clearly a lot of hourly rate billing going on because cost is obviously a major driver and we go back to that issue of profit being uh, profit being munched up by by partners at higher levels and uh, no future investment being made in the firm and a quest to continue these thousand dollar an hour US attorneys the thing that got me scratching my head in that piece was that 62% of attorneys said they believe it will take anywhere from 4 months to a year for their firm to return back to where they were financially pre-COVID. Now, no in Australia, we have <laughs> in Australia we have this great movie called The Castle. Mitch, the and, and anyone who is an Australian lawyer has seen The Castle. And Daryl Kerrigan has this famous saying in The Castle, which is, "Tell them they're dreaming." Now, somebody needs to tell these people that they're dreaming because if 62% of them, not just some fringe element, 62% of them think that within four months, it's going to get back to the good old days of $1,000 an hour situations, then the US legal system has a lot more problems than we, than we think. There is a major structural issue there with respect to the value of legal services the way that legal services and lawyers value themselves and the way that they adjust these things. Because to me, having a little dig around those statistics, what they are not saying is more alarming than what they are saying in terms of attitudes. So I scratch my head. The other thing I should say is, we don't just want to be two angry guys yelling at the microphone each week. There've been some great things going on in the last week as well. And, you know, I know Mitch and I both applaud and shout out to the law firms that are doing the right thing by people, that are keeping their employees on, that are continuing to work very hard every day to support people. The, the people who are listening to the podcast know if their employer is doing that or not. And what I'd say to them is, if your employer is doing a great job, tell them. We're out of time this week, but thanks again to the Lousy Little Gods for our musical intro and our musical exit. My name is Mitch Kowalski. And I'm Nathan Heppel. Stay safe and keep objecting to the status quo.